Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of uh, At Your Service. This time I'm um, meeting up with Fleur and Jason. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the first days of Market Lane, your ideas about the shop before it even opened. Fleur, welcome to the studio. Hi, so excited to be here. Thank you. Jason, you're a veteran. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so I, I looked through uh, your scrapbook from, from before Market Lane was even a shop. Uh, can you just talk me quickly through your ideas? What, what type of shop were you trying to, yeah. trying to create? Well, we really wanted the shop to be part of a market. So that was really important to us. And that was because we felt like there was the opportunity to, to engage customers on a different way to you would say on a high street. People are there doing their food shopping and um, care about quality and provenance, most probably if they're shopping at a, at a food market. And so we thought we'd get a consumer who would be more willing to engage and maybe in the frame of mind to engage in that kind of setting. We also both agreed that we only wanted to do coffee and not to try and do food. And at the time in Melbourne, that was quite unique. Most coffee shops also had quite a decent food offering. Um, so that was quite distinct. And we wanted to make the coffee the hero, not the brand market lane. So um, we wanted to make sure that retail was front and center within the space. We wanted to make pour over really visible um, so that people could come up and ask questions and we could engage with them. One of the things that we did early on as well was put beans out in big buckets so that we could weigh the coffees out to order. And the reason we did that was we wanted the opportunity to engage people when they were coming up to purchase beans and have a conversation with them before they walked away um, with the coffee. Unfortunately, we've moved away from that. We found the quality was compromised having the beans out open in the air and that's pretty much the main reason that we walked away from it. We also found that um, it was a barrier and people weren't um, always willing to come up and engage in that way when they were purchasing coffee but I think the intention behind it is still um, something that we care a lot about and that's just trying to have a conversation with people about the coffee that they're buying to take home. I think for I mean for a historical context what well, we, we were trying to do something very different to what was being done already you know there was no pour over being served in, in Melbourne at the time. Espresso blends were still a mysterious mix of, you know, whatever. Uh, and there was no transparency as to what was going into, you know, people's house blends. And we really wanted to, to change that. We really wanted to, to change the industry. We really wanted to, to lead that change as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and set the bar really high. There was also things like skinny lattes at the time were probably the most common drink that people would have. And, and so to only offer full cream milk was a big call um, at the time. It's funny how people now, most people will drink full cream milk, but it was yeah, a much bigger trend then. Um, and then obviously not offering things like tea and chai and hot chocolate was very different um, at that time. And scary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at, at that time you were at the kind of age and stage in life that a lot of the staff are now. Do you mind talking a little bit about your background, like education, what you were kind of hoping to do straight after uni, yeah. how you got into coffee? So I always knew I wanted to run my own business in some capacity and was always dreaming up 
different ideas. I did a very general degree. I did a commerce arts degree at Melbourne and then went traveling. I think the biggest influence on me has been probably my family and, and in particular my dad. He worked in cheese and, and worked really hard to educate people about artisan cheese and why provenance was important and why quality is important and how important it is to preserve artisan cheese making practices. And I grew up with him owning his own business and and being really passionate about what he did. And so I knew that whatever I did, it would have to be something that I was incredibly passionate about. And I think for me, when I discovered coffee, I was so excited because I realised how much I didn't know and how exciting it was to learn about coffee and think about it as a differentiated beverage in the same way you would wine. And I wanted to share that excitement and that learning with other people. And that was kind of the motivation behind setting up Market Lane and crossing that gap. Yeah, my, my background's a little different. I tried university for a, a couple of years and I didn't do very well at it. I did a lot of traveling when I was young and in school. So I sort of gravitated back towards that and looked abroad for, I suppose, a bit more inspiration or a bit more grounding, I guess, or something. I was always interested in hospitality. I worked in hospitality during uni and I, I really enjoyed it. I worked in a lot of bars and restaurants and cafes in all sorts of different areas. I mean, I was trying to, when I was trying to find my place in the world, I sort of stumbled across Monmouth Coffee and I was really, um, I was already interested in coffee, but I didn't really know a lot about it. Um, and from them, you know, I, I learned about provenance and, um, and how you can experience very different things from different coffees and their service style was also very different, something that we just didn't have in, in Australia. Yeah, so I, I, when, when I started working for them, I, I really sort of found my place and I was really motivated by their, by their approach and their ethos and the quality of coffee that they were serving. So uh, I wanted to carry that on as far as I could. So. Yeah, I think in the first episode, you were using Monoth as an example of exceptional service experience. And all the, all the staff have done the, uh, the questionnaire that we, we sent out after the first episode. Um, I wanted to ask you, Fuller, about your exceptional service experience, if you have one. Yeah, I've actually got two. They're both in restaurant settings. One is in a really intimate restaurant in northern New South Wales called Fleet. And it seats 16 people and there's three people that cook, serve food and, and serve everyone. Every time I'm there, I'm blown away by the service that Astrid, who's the front of, house, front of house staff member, gives to every single person that walks into the space. She looks people in the eye, she's got a gorgeous smile, and she's just so passionate about everything that she's presenting to every customer. And she seems, even though she'd be saying the same thing every single day to, to multiple customers, she has so much excitement and passion for what she is serving. And I find that really inspiring. And I always, yeah, I look up to her a lot. The second was at Etta, just very close to the roastery. And I went there for the first time with a group of friends. One person was pregnant and we walked in and we were being, we were sat at the bar and I was just so impressed with the owner. Again, incredibly warm and friendly service style. And she could see from afar that we were 
a bit worried about the pregnant girl and sitting at a bar stool and rushed over to, to reassure us that she'd seat us at a proper table as soon as she could. And it didn't take us saying anything. It was probably more our body language and the looks on our faces that she could read to anticipate what our needs were. And, and she preempted that. And I, I think what's kind of the common thread with everyone's good service experience is, you know, the feeling of being seen and acknowledged and being listened to and looked after and maybe get a little bit more than what they expected. Sometimes uh, we talk about sparkles at, at Marketland. We often <laughs> laugh when we say it, but Fleur, can we yeah, once and for sparkles, all? Yeah, <laughs> the magic sauce. Yes, I think there's so many ways that we can add sparkles at Market Lane. I think it's really important to consider how you can add sparkles in each space because I think the opportunities that exist are very different within each of the spaces. Things like if you're selling someone a, a bag of beans and you ask them how they're brewing it and if they seem to be quite new to brewing, offering them to grind them a sample of how to, of the grind size that they should be using. Doing just little things that show that you care about their experience can go a really long way. Taking the time to write down places to visit while they're on their trip to Sydney that they might have mentioned, finding out from your colleagues where it's great to drink coffee, preemptively giving someone a glass of water without them asking for it, seeing them, giving them a smile as soon as they mm. walk into the door. I think this is something that Market Lane does really well and we get incredible feedback from so many of our customers and it's definitely the thing that is probably the most important part of what we do is, is um, making pe people feel really welcome um, and seen in our spaces. Uh, we were also talking about more points uh, mm. in our customer engagement that we can maybe improve a little bit more on. The ability to read the customer. We have a lot of different types coming in through our... Yeah, I think there's, yeah, there's the ability to read if they want to hang around and have a chat. In places like Faraday Street, it's easy to tell because they just wait inside and start talking to you. <laughs> but at the deli or at Paran, it's, it's a bit more difficult to see whether they're really keen to engage with someone or to learn about. Yeah, and I think if you're not sure what to talk about, there's always coffee to talk about. Talk about the new filter coffee that we got brewing. Uh, ask them about if they've tried the single origin, uh, things like that. I sometimes ask where, where else do you normally go for coffee? Yep. Fleur, any other tips? I think also like reading their urgency as well. So some people will be maybe time poor acknowledging that and saying your coffee's next up, it's coming really soon can be really helpful as well. Yeah, I worked in a, a cafe that was in a very busy part of town and everyone was in a rush. And so <laughs> a lot of our job was reassuring customers that we were getting to their coffee. And even though it was busy, we were working as hard as we can and... People came back, even though the coffees took sometimes 10 minutes to come out and people were very busy, they still came back because, and I think because we were letting them know that we were on it, you know, we were working hard and getting to their coffee. Uh, we were also talking about um, service points, like serving the drinks. One, one rule is an unofficial rule, unofficial rule that uh, Jason told me, but it's uh, always Baby Chino's first. Can mm. you explain about Baby Chino's first? <laughs> Yeah, I think, well, for those of you who have children, you'll understand straight away why you need to get the baby chinos out first or why it's important. But I, I started doing it a while ago and I got some great results with parents, especially new parents, because children, they don't understand that there's an order of making drinks or if there's a, an easier way to make drinks, they just want to get what they've been promised. And so, you know, a three-year-old who's been promised a baby chino will be counting the seconds until they get the baby chino. So it's, it's, it's 
much more pleasant for everyone if you can deliver the child's drink as fast as you can. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great tip. Uh, Another thing we can improve on is communication. One thing that I see happen very often is that we don't present the drink to the customer, but I think it will save us a lot of time afterwards if we can present, uh, thank you Fleur, here is your magic or whatever you will be ordering, rather than just giving them a a coffee without saying anything. I think that's really nice and it just shows that we care and especially when you're presenting two or three drinks to a to a customer and there might be two flat whites and a cappuccino taking the time to show them which is which shows that we really we're really proud of each drink that we're providing them. Yes, and they also may not know what coffee they ordered and it's a very polite way of letting them know that they've got the right drink is to say, here is your magic. Uh, they may not know what a magic is, so... Can we talk a little bit about drink standards and, and maybe remaking rather than serving a less... Yeah, less, less substandard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think a, a good rule is if you're not sure about it, then you should remake it. So if you're asking the question of yourself or... If someone else is asking you if you think it's up to scratch, then it's probably it's probably not up to scratch. It may take a little bit more time, but if you're organized and the drinks aren't taking a long time already, then it's always better to remake a drink and make sure you're you're giving the customer something that's special and that's worth coming back for. Another thing we were talking about was maybe over communicating rather than not saying enough. You have to get ice from another shop. Mm. Don't just rush out of the shop without saying anything, let the customer know that it will be a couple of minutes we're just getting more ice or if the grinder is behind the shelf, just tell them that you will grind the beans and you'll be be right back. Another very important part of good customer service is obviously drink speed. We talked about being able to read a customer or being able to know when a customer is in a rush or whether they're up for a chat. But overall, our, our drinks should come out quickly. We're not in... We're not in a you know fine dining restaurant. We're not cooking steaks. We're making you know espresso coffee. Um, all of our coffees are reasonably fast to make. Nothing takes more than four minutes to make um, in itself. So setting a really high standard for your for yourself for the store uh, is really important. In in general, nothing should take more than 10 minutes and even 10 minutes is quite a long time to wait for a coffee. I think the context is also very important. So 10 minutes, if you're at the deli and there are huge crowds and you order, 10 minutes won't feel like very long. But if there's only one customer in the space at Paran, for example, or something, and there's a few staff on, then 10 minutes will feel like an eternity because you'll be sitting around waiting, seeing that things aren't happening quickly. 10, 10 minutes is, is the, the maximum time it should take, but the context is also important. So last, last one is product and coffee knowledge. Okay. Um, the last point um, today that we're going to talk about the, that we can also improve on and never gets exhausted is product and, and coffee knowledge. I just wanted to ask you quickly about your first coffee tasting days. Obviously, no one is born knowing how to taste coffee. Can you tell me a little bit about your your learning um, curve and I experience? I spent a lot of time tasting coffee with Jason while he was a roaster at Monmouth. And I was petrified and wouldn't share any of my notes and just would scribble things down and get really excited if we had the same tasting note. But I think some of the best learning experiences I had were actually behind the bar at Monmouth, grabbing two coffees, tasting them side by side, putting milk in one, and then seeing how that changed the flavor. 
and talking about it with colleagues. And I think that's probably the best way to learn and to become confident and finding a language that you can talk about them confidently. For me, I think learning to taste coffee and being able to articulate what you're tasting, every time you do that, it's like a page in a telephone book and those experiences make you a better taster and a more aware taster over time. Just being able to find a way to describe the coffee in two or three words, maybe articulate which one has more fruit or which one is a, has a brighter acidity, which one has a heavier body, to then help guide the customer to try and find what they're going to enjoy in the coffee can be really powerful. And finding what coffees you love and are really excited to tell people to drink can be really powerful for the customer because they'll feel your excitement and then get excited about what they're buying. As well. I'd just reiterate that tasting and having coffee knowledge is only useful when you can communicate it. So being understanding how other people describe coffee, how you describe coffee in relation to other people is a really, really big part of tasting itself. We, we have tasting notes to let customers know about them and you have coffee knowledge so that you can communicate it to customers. So those interactions between between people, between you staff and between yourselves and customers are, are really important in, in your own learning and your own coffee journey and your own development. So yeah, take the time to and talk about coffee, think about it and And when whenever you can, if there is if the customer has time, if you can give them two different coffees to taste side by side, that will be a really powerful experience for the customer and they'll be able to identify what they're enjoying in one cup over another, which will then help you guide them through what coffees are on offer. So we absolutely want you to spend that time with customers if, if they've got the time. One of the my favourite places to do that is the, at the deli because the beans are so close to the pour over bar so you can glance behind you and see what's being served and grab a cup to, to give them a taste. Um, so do that in the shops. Makes us very happy. All right, thank you very much for your time and thank you everyone for listening to all the four episodes of At Your Service. Thanks very much. Thank you.